Swanson to first. to win the Super Bowl, and they have sealed the deal. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. And Lightning has struck twice. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. It is the hangover edition of For Future Considerations, episode 102, the bold Forbes episode of For Future Consideration. Who's that? The what? The bold Forbes episode. Episode 102. Who is Bold Forbes? I have no idea. He, in 1976, was the horse that won the 102nd Kentucky Derby. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, we go, boys. (laughs) We're shot. This is going to be a thing now. (laughs) It is. He's going to name the horse for each episode. Scoured the internet. We're good for, I think the the last one was like 170-something. We're we're good for the next season. No, no, no. Oh God. A little, a little uh, preview for, for uh, the OT on Friday. Uh, we do have a 103rd episode nominee, her name, but it okay. is not a horse. So it's we not a that. horse. Okay. But we're hanging in with it. <laughs> Manny, you look like hell. Have you have you slept <laughs> since Sunday night? No, I haven't. <laughs> John, how are you doing? Oh, I have been so hungover. <laughs> My wife and I shared one bottle of wine for Valentine's Day, and we both had headaches this morning. <laughs> Whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You got hammered for Super Bowl, and then you pounded more for Valentine's Day? You are the man. Good for you. It felt like Rashad, college again. On Valentine's Day, Rashad, you're supposed to be pouring the wine in her glass, and you're having the, the grape juice. <laughs> I've never heard of Viagra having that after effect. <laughs> Didn't even need it. Wink. <laughs> oh, no. Is this like a 90 Day Fiance thing again? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Let's not get in on this kick. Uh, I got so many messages. <laughs> I was going to say, as many as much feedback as we got on the Jamie Campbell episode, which was awesome. It was great to hear from so many people. Man, they were all over the 90 Day Fiance talk, too. <laughs> it may have its own feature by the end of this run, Rashad. Yeah, look, Curtis and Tim, I know they reached out. They said they couldn't stop laughing. Curtis loved it. He's a horse, horse guy. He'll know bold Forbes. Tim is in Winnipeg, and he reached out and said, (laughs) he said that was hilarious. Oh, my God. I thought he was in Owen Sound. (laughs) No, Orange Bill. Shelburne. 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 (laughs) It's magic. We also received a ton of feedback about our interview with Jamie Campbell on the OT. In particular, Coop loved it. Uh, Chris reached out. He said it was amazing. Uh, Joey said he loved the conversation, too. So go back and listen to Jamie. Episode 101, if you have not done already. Yeah, he was great. He really, I, I loved how open he was and how many different stories he had to tell about his his career and how he got into the business. It's still one of the, the best stories I've ever heard of somebody who got into media or the reason they got into media. So, no, he was awesome. He was really good. And um, of all the people that reached out, Joey asked if Matt lost his mind when Jamie supported the idea of an expanded playoffs in baseball. <laughs> you know, I I don't I don't hate it. 
it's just you've got to scale something back or you got it it's got to be really short like i'm talking like if you're talking about eight teams instead of six i don't think that's a huge difference but if you're doing like a one verse eight two verse seven like a series those you have to cut the regular season we'd be playing we'd still be playing the same season right now what about like a best of five in the first or second round and then a best of seven in the conference i'm i think it's one i still i I think if you're going to add another one you keep the same format that you have right now with the two teams that get in and then the other teams fight it out but you know a team three plays team eight and and so on and so forth in one game playoffs to just get it out of the way. Like the only problem with it that I have, and, and the American League's fine with it, the National League bothers me. But uh, eight teams get in instead of six means the Mariners get in. Funny, Jamie Campbell suggested when the Blue Jays appear in the playoffs, <laughs> uh, Mariners get in at ninety and seventy-two. I'm cool with that. A ninety-win team gets into the playoffs. That makes sense to me. The National League, the Phillies at 82 and 80 would be a playoff team. They're still above 500. That's the benchmark to get into the playoffs is 500? It's a 162-game schedule. And not the way I see it. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not the worst idea, but you've got to figure out, like, the games this, this season could not go that long, and you add another series in. I like it. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and we also got a ton of feedback about our Super Bowl picks in last week's debate. Of the nine picks last week, I only got two right. Matt got three right, and Manny had four right. So not a yeah. not a great weekend for us. Oh. You're underplaying the whole thing, and she's in the room right now. <laughs> Two-time Super Bowl prediction champion. Shannon Pava. So we did the, we had a list of 30 questions. I know we only did nine on the show last week, yep. but we expanded it to 30. And Shannon. Shannon got 29. <laughs> <laughs> it was unbelievable. I beat you, Sean. <laughs> I beat your butt. <laughs> uh, so she should be hosting this podcast for the next few I'm weeks because you. of that. <laughs> They're worried about Sean McVay taking a, a TV job. I think uh, Shannon might be the one that steps in front of him. <laughs> Finally, to have somebody that knows what they're talking about, <laughs> the sport of football on the show. It's a, it was a big addition for us. <laughs> well, since the three of us don't know anything about football, let's start there. <laughs> A review of the Super Bowl. Pass. Got it. Touchdown. Matthew Stafford threw the game-winning touchdown to Cooper Cup in the final two minutes as the LA Rams beat the Cincinnati Bengals to win the NFL championship. What did you guys think of the game? I thought it was a pretty good game. I liked the ebbs and flows of the game. Uh, I liked watching the, the Rams. Um, struggle after Odell Beckham Jr. went out. Uh, I had the Rams covering at minus four and a half, and they looked like they were about to just stomp Cincinnati at, at one point. OBJ goes down, game changes completely. Uh, so give Cincinnati a ton of credit again for for hanging in there. Um, I, I don't know anything about Cam Akers. That might be most overrated football player in, in the he NFL. Didn't, didn't He's junk, it. man. He's <laughs> junk. Because he screwed me in the in the, the one bet that in I the had, playoffs. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So so he's junk. I've written him off. 
<laughs> He's done. But the, the two plays that stood out for me, the two things that stood out for me is all of a sudden the referees get involved in the most crucial part of the game at the end, making calls that aren't penalties uh, uh, on that Cincinnati, that holding call or whatever it was that, that got the first down or moved the first down. Ugh. That can't you can't call that in the Super Bowl. The play and that be- play. Okay, I'll let you keep talking because I want to talk about that. And then the only other play that that really stood out for me in that was Cincinnati has the ball third and one, and they run. That's not their game. They don't run the football. The, Joe Mixon's good for sure, but they are a, a spread team. They like to throw the ball. They like to move Joe Burrow around. I think that was a terrible play call. It sets up a fourth and one, and Aaron Donald just had dinner. So. It it wasn't I, I didn't like that play call at the very end of the game, but overall I thought it was a pretty good contest. Yeah, I thought it was good too. Um, the refereeing, of course, it got it was funny because in the first half I thought, well, wow, you haven't even noticed the officiating, and then all of a sudden it creeps in in the second half. And I love a second half comeback. That is my favorite thing in football, and I love watching a team put together an impressive drive. Um, and how about Joe Burrow watching the halftime show? <laughs> Yeah, I'm the kicker. What's his name? Uh, Evan, Evan McPherson. McPherson. They were yeah. out there watching it. Sure, that, that, that's a great. That was a great show too. Yeah, that was a great show, and I know we'll talk about that. But um, I I like close games too. Like Rashad said, I'm glad it came down to the wire. You talked about the penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, so the refs missed the call on T Higgins pulling Jalen Ramsey. Yep. So the makeup call later in the game about the holding late, I didn't mind tit for tat, right? And I thought the officials missed a holding call on the play before, mm-hmm. right? So they missed the holding call on the play before, called the ticky tack hold that you were talking about yeah. that gave the Rams the first down. I didn't like that call either, but I didn't mind it because they missed the call before and they missed the T Higgins call before. Uh, I totally agree with you on the run on third down. Listen, I get the call. You're trying to catch the Rams off guard. For sure. But on the fourth down then, you've got to run a better play. Yeah. Or at least <clears throat> double team Aaron Donald. Because he, had just, just, he just made the play before to stop Mixon from getting the first down. Yeah. So you know he's amped up. You got to double team him so he doesn't get to Joe Burrow. Same spot. Donald took the same route. Was going to get through if he didn't just happen to run into Joe Mixon and, and be able to pull him back. Yeah. Third and one to me in that spot where they are in the field in that game, it's like kicking the the, the field goal at third and one. You, you throw it because as long as you don't throw an interception – it's incomplete. It doesn't matter. You go back and you do it again. If you miss the the kick on third down, you get to try another one as long as you don't completely boot it. So I don't mind that, but I I didn't like the run selection at at all. I know they were doing well on the run and that was, but uh, I've never been a big third and one run the ball guy. Anyways, I'd, I'd rather see you try to throw it, try to spread guys out with a slant or something like that where obviously he has the weapons to do so. I wouldn't mind them doing a Joe Burrow <clears throat> draw. Yeah. You know, like step back to throw and then run up the middle when yeah. the middle opens up because he did that earlier in the game. Right. I would have preferred that call on third and one. And Cooper Cup was named the game's MVP. Did they get that right? Yeah, I think they got it right. In fact, I think Cooper Cup saved Sean McVay. 
you mentioned it earlier in the fact when Odell went out of the game, they stopped throwing to Cooper Cup. Mm -hmm. Yes, I know they were double teaming him, but they stopped calling plays for Cooper Cup until the final drive. They were throwing (coughs) to guys who I'd never even heard of Mm -hmm. in the season. It was one of the reasons why Stafford got picked and went off one of the guy's hands right into somebody else's lap. So the fact that they, again, started scheming to get Cooper Cup the ball on the final drive when he caught everything, including the game-winning touchdown, he saved Sean McVay because I think McVay would have been harshly criticized for not changing the game plan um, when Odell went down. And he was still even trying to run the ball when running would not matter. I think they got it right with Cooper Cup. I know – the pick, second pick for Stafford wasn't his fault. I know some people thought maybe he should have got the MVP, but I think Cooper Cup um, should have gotten the award, and he did. Aaron Donald was fantastic. Mm-hmm. He was my runner-up. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, I, I agree. And, and it's I, I've always found it hard to pick a wide receiver over a quarterback because obviously the quarterback has to get the wide receiver the ball. But when you're Cooper Cup and you're double-teamed, for the majority of that game all of a sudden. And that last drive was magical watching those two. I mean, sure, Matthew Stafford's got to put it where he's got to put it so Cooper Cup can make the catch. But for Cooper Cup to get free and to create that space with two guys on him, literally, like, no one in that building thought that there was a second option for the Rams as they were going down the field at the end of that game. Like, Cooper Cup was either going to win or lose that Super Bowl for him. He won it for him, so I think they got the right right, the right guy. The Stafford no-look <clears throat> pass, though, was incredible. Yeah. To yeah. hit Cooper Cup on that final drive, yeah. looking the one way so the safety would bite, I was unbelievable. And I'm glad for Stafford because you've heard me on this podcast before saying I thought the Detroit media – did Stafford dirty and for was sure they did. harshly criticized. Mm-hmm. I'm glad he won. For yeah, that. for sure. No, he he deserved it 100%. Funny to see all the Detroit Rams Gear? merchandise yeah. and all that stuff. Like, oh, now, now you're now okay you're with it. Yeah. Now, it's, now it's, it would be nice if he won one. Forget it. We also got a question from Pat in Windsor who wonder which team would be closer to getting back to the Super Bowl. Ooh, that's a good question, Pat. Um, mm-hmm. I would say the Rams, because I think in the AFC, it's a lot tougher. you got the Bills, you still got the Chiefs, and you got, you know, the Pats had a fantastic season. Their their arrow is pointing up. You still have the Titans, who were the number one seed. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it would be easier for the Rams, especially with Tom Brady being retired, um, <clears throat> whatever's going on in Arizona with Kyler Murray and yep. such. I think it would be easier for the Rams than the Bengals. It's it's all going to come down to the two guys. If if Aaron Donald decides that he's going to go out mm-hmm. on top, if these rumors, which I don't believe of Sean McVay, uh, I, oh, I don't believe the Aaron Donald ones either, but uh, if Sean McVay might step away and, and is interested in being an analyst or something like that on, on television, I mean, if those two guys come back, I think the Rams are the favorite to win the Super Bowl again next year. So I would suggest that they are absolutely closer even if they were both to leave i still would say the rams have the better opportunity to to go than than the Bengals do i i'm worried i worry for the Bengals being a, a flash in the pan and i also wanted to ask you guys about the halftime show i was the only one of our group to pick snoop to be first on the mic did you guys like snoop the show loop. 
<laughs> like Dre showed up first. He just didn't say the first mm. words. I got robbed of that. <laughs> Terrible. The song was still Dre. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was real good. I thought, I thought it was great. I, I It was simple as far as the set. I liked the LA connection. I liked the way that they, they played that all up. Um, the set was a little bit strange, especially if you're sitting on the non-TV side <laughs> at the Super Bowl. Um, but no, I, I thought it was good. I thought everybody was on point. I, I was hoping somebody else was going to show up, but nobody did. But I thought they, uh, I thought they rolled out a pretty good show. I saw a meme on uh, social media, and it said on Sunday, "I'm glad they didn't develop a Super Bowl show for the old people." And then they were like, "Oh wait, <laughs> we are the old people." Did you like the show? Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought they did a great job. The meme that caught me was. Um, 50 cents now a full dollar because he had gained weight. <laughs> He's a big dude <laughs> hanging upside down yeah. still. Yeah, instead of two guys holding him up in that video back 20 years ago, there's probably about 10 guys keeping him up now because of all the weight he gained. Well, my but I, I had known he gained the weight. Like you had seen him in some other shows uh, and some other stuff that he had gained that way. Did you know, John, that he had gained that weight? No, and actually, that's what my wife Jill said. She goes, was he always that big? I didn't think he was that big. <laughs> and I said, no, that's new. <laughs> I, when, when they first showed him, I didn't recognize who it was right away because of that. I was like, oh, there's the guy that we're not expecting. I, I knew they were going to bring somebody out here. They got Biggie. Look, Biggie's back. Can you believe it? <laughs> oh, no. All oh, it is 50. Biggie's doing in the club. <laughs> oh, it's 50 cent. You did call that, that they would still have a special guest. I liked it too. I know some people are calling it the greatest of all time. I wouldn't say it's the greatest of all time. I like Dre. I smile every time I see Snoop. Yeah. Especially when he's dancing. Yeah. He's amazing. I thought Mary J. Blige was great. Yeah. I thought Eminem was really good. I was disappointed he didn't get a higher profile. Uh-huh. Like They saved him till the end. And I thought he would he would have got a larger profile. I I didn't like Kendrick Lamar, so okay. I was a little bit underwhelmed about that. Okay, I kind of like the box dancing thing that was going on there. What the heck? Right. That was kind of cool. Did you like the box dancing, Rashad? Yeah, it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> See, Rashad does it every day. <laughs> Is that how he greets uh, Jill in the in the bedroom? That's his Valentine's Pops Day rendition. Oh. He was like Lamar stole that. Uh-huh. Kendrick Lamar stole. <laughs> he that. came in the. She came in the room. All Rashad's got is a Dre Day sash on. Today <laughs> <laughs> is your day, baby. <laughs> um, did you guys think it looked like Eminem was lip syncing a little bit? I, I never believe any of these people are actually singing, anyways. Especially I, moving around and stuff at that in that uh, that stage. I didn't notice it, but really, I was standing up and dancing when he was on, yeah. so <laughs> I wasn't really paying attention too much. You were losing yourself. Yes, yes. <laughs> good fun, good fun. I like the set, like the block party, house party. Yeah, that thing. was cool. Mm-hmm. That um, was very cool. You're right. The one side of the stadium. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you think they might consider shrunk. that somewhere, but yeah. Yeah, I kind of thought at some point it was going to turn around or do something so that half the stadium could watch the show. But I guess you pay the amount of money people paid and they didn't get to see a damn thing. So (laughs) Snoop was on the roof. What more do you need? (laughs) Can you believe what we just saw? This is incredible. You know, guys, I got to be honest. I have goofball. Unbelievable. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. 
And now it's time for our play of the week, and the winning play comes from my Vancouver Canucks. Here's the puck for JT Miller. Miller through center. Over the Coyote blue line. Gets through. Scores! Coast to coast. JT Miller with a highlight real goal. And the Canucks lead 4-1. JT Miller goes coast to coast and scores a beauty of a goal against the Arizona Coyotes. Like, do you jump up when you see that because you're a Canucks fan? You're like, yes. Yeah, that was that was a good play. And um, the call of the goal, too, by John Shorthouse. He's always so good, too. It just amps you right up. So one in the morning, I'm like, yeah, the dog is scared. And <laughs> did you get all your friends to vote for it? And did you have all your fake accounts to vote for it? Why aren't you giving it to him like you were giving it to me last week? It was a good play. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't vote for it, but it's a good play. That's why he's the best analyst in the league. <laughs> Our play of the week is brought to you by London Awnings. I don't know. It was a good play. Quality that shows. <laughs> Remember, uh, on Twitter, podcast FFC. It's on Instagram as well. It's the same thing. Um, but you'll see the videos of our plays of the week. Um, we'll select four of them. You then vote. We reveal those uh, on Wednesday's shows. But we'll post those on our Instagram accounts and our Twitter accounts every Monday. So take a look for that. And now let's talk some hockey and Manny, your Habs made plenty of headlines in the last week. First, let's start with the coaching. Dominique Ducharme was fired. Get this 15 days shy of his one year anniversary with Montreal. And the Canadians hired Martin St. Louis to take over as interim coach. What do you think of that move? It's a hell of a stat Rashad. 15 days. Before his one-year anniversary. A cup appearance in between, and you can him. <laughs> Jeez, what what have you done for me lately? <laughs> I was really upset. Beginning, I was shocked. I'm like, what has this guy done to get a head coaching job in the NHL? Yeah. But then it was announced that it was only interim, so then I calmed down a little bit. Um, it's been a while since Montreal's had a good offensive mind as a head coach. Mm-hmm. Marty St. Louis is among the best offensive minds, um, not only when he was playing, but now uh, in a coaching role now. And I've never liked when teams recycle the same old coaches. No offense yep. to your Canucks and Bruce Boudreaux, but I like new blood. So... Um, that helped calm me down and, in fact, has swayed me to the fact that I like it. The only thing that I don't like is, yeah, he doesn't have any pro head coaching experience. I get that, and I know you're going to bring that up, Matt. The other thing that is going to sting is that this smells of a massive rebuild, not only for next year, but for the next two, three years. Um. And it's going to be tough for Montreal Canadiens fans for the next couple of seasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's going to be tough. What do, what do you think, Rashad? Yeah, that's it's going to be rough for the fan base. Are they going to tolerate a multi-year rebuild in Montreal? They like to be competitive every year. As long as they do it right. Right. I think. Right? As, as long as they do it right, you know, uh, the French fans will want to see some French prospects in mm-hmm. this system. 
They obviously will support Marty St. Louis because he was a Montreal Canadiens fan growing up and he can speak French. I thought his opening news conference was fantastic. I know. You texted me afterwards. I was drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. You, yeah. It was just a picture of you in your boxers <laughs> in front of the TV. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I like the Kool-Aid, man. So what you're saying, man, is you don't want to see a rebuild like the one that's been going on in Toronto since 1967? Right. Like, we got to the cup final. We can rebuild um, as long as they do it smartly. Mm-hmm. Um, Martin San Louis is going to be very good for Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield because Martin San Louis is also obviously we remember very small player. It's a very different game now where the size doesn't matter as much, but he will be extremely valuable in the sense that he knew how to get to the small spaces in a big game. Now, when you have more room, more ice uh, for, for these younger guys to, to move around, I think he's going to be great for it. I cannot believe that they would hire him with U13 <laughs> experience and throw him in as the head coach of an NHL team. I think that is terribly, terribly early. And this is going to be a learning experience for everyone. And I never like the idea of like, give me somebody in here who has, who knows what they're doing before you try to rebuild. You have a brand new general manager, your, your president of hockey operations or whatever Jeff Gordon's title is, is the most experienced person in the building. He's basically bringing his friends around and none of them have any experience. I would be in panic mode if I was a, Francais Canadian fan. No, 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 no. Yes, I get it. You know, he brought St. Louis to New York. He was part of that. Uh, Kent Hughes knows St. Louis Mm -hmm. because his kids play with his kids in Northeastern or wherever it is. 13U. Yeah. So it's a family affair. I get it. I get it. That's why I say it's going to be a rebuild because Marty St. Louis has to learn on the job Mm -hmm. just as. Montreal has to develop some young players going forward. But I don't mind that. I don't mind that as long as they get it right. And they did keep Luke Richardson, Burroughs, Litowski mm-hmm. as assistant coaches right now to help them. Whether they're there next season right. um, is another story. But I do think they will hire some experience if Marty St. Louis decides he wants the job. Remember, it's an interim tag. Not only does Montreal need to offer him a full-time job, mm. but Marty St. Louis also needs to decide whether he wants to stay in the job because there are a lot of holes in Montreal starting in goaltending. Yeah. And and, and to me, that the, ultimately, like the Luke Richardson thing, it doesn't sit well for for me, I don't think, with, with bringing if, in Martin St. Louis. If you're Luke Richardson, is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Like – he did coach a game last year, right? He was around. He was lauded for his uh, – everybody was was thrilled that he was getting his opportunity. I mean, it, it, it seemed as though he would be the next man up. And you've gone and brought in somebody, not only from outside the organization, who has never coached a game. That does not sit well for me if I'm Luke Richardson. 
But you only have eight wins this year. You're going to promote the assistant coach on an eight-win team? But you're not going to promote the assistant coach and make him an interim head coach to appease the people that are there? You're going to go out? It's it's a it's a brand new scene in Montreal, I'm telling you. Yeah, uh, it is, and I don't mind that outside-the-box thing. This is a four, five, six-year rebuild. Five. If they don't rig the draft like you dra- rig polls five. on Twitter. Three to five. Yeah. Three to get 500. Three to five. Five to make the playoffs. Three to five, Rashad. <laughs> but Matt, haven't you watched Ted Lasso? You don't need any experience coaching. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and the Montreal Canadiens also made a big trade this week, sending Tyler Toffoli to the Calgary Flames for a first round pick, a fifth rounder, a prospect, and Tyler Pitlick. Manny, we'll start with you again. What do you think of this trade? I like it. It's the first domino. The fact that Montreal got a first rounder is really good. Mm -hmm. But I like this for both teams. I really do. I think I like that Calgary said, this is the guy we want. Let's get him way before the deadline. Yep. Uh, um, He can score. He can play. Power play, shorthanded. He can play left wing or right wing. He knows the coach Sutter. He played for the yep. coach Sutter. Won a in couple LA. of them. Yeah. Um, and he's a winner, right? <clears throat> he's a winner. And he's on good contract, $4.25 million for the next two years. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great move for Calgary. For Montreal, the fact that they got a first rounder yep. is really good. Uh, I think they're going to get another first rounder when they trade Ben Sherrod. Because there's so many teams who are interested in yep. it. Um, they get cap space in Pitlick, who is a UFA. So his contract comes off the books at the end of the season. What I would like to see is now that they have two first rounders for this year, try to trade one of them to get a first rounder the following year when it's Connor Bedard's draft and the Russian mm-hmm. kid who's supposed yep. to be really good. Yep. You know, you 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 get a lottery ticket for Shane Wright this year but try to get a lottery ticket for the following season to try to get another stud prospect to, again, speed up the rebuild Uh for that three to five (laughs) rebuild because this trade also points out that it is going to be a long rebuild. You had to fully under a good contract for two more years and you traded it away, Mm -hmm. so you obviously think you're not going to be good in the next two years, so you trade him away. I like the deal for both teams. Yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I think it's a, a good move for Montreal. If you're going to get a first-round pick, and I would assume that first-round pick is the cost of the two years that he's yeah. in there. Absolutely. You, you throw that in if you're a Calgary, and you take that if you're Montreal. This uh, finished prospect they got is pretty good as well. He's 20, so he's, he's young, might be somebody that you can bring across. Uh, I mean – they get a fifth in there. They get rid of some cap space. I, I like I like the deal for both teams. And there was another coaching move. The Edmonton Oilers fired Dave Tippett and replaced him with Jay Woodcroft from their AHL team in Bakersfield. What do you think of that move? I'm surprised that they didn't go with a veteran guy in the same reason that I'm surprised Montreal did their, their flip as well in the sense of like Edmonton is trying to win they're desperate to win uh, with the players that they have on that roster. Um, I, I would have surprised that they didn't go with a guy that has a little more NHL experience. Um, but Jay Woodcroft is a great head coach uh, and he has done a very good job with the Edmonton system. I think he's, I've heard a number of different 
podcasts and stuff that he's on. Um, him and, and Todd, his brother, who's a head coach of the University of Vermont. I think they've got a really good uh, idea of, of how that game is played. I think they connect with players very well. Um, and so this one seems like it's more of a, a rebuild hiring than it's meant to be because Edmonton's trying to be very much in the hunt. But Jay Woodcroft's a good coach. And they promote him from within. Isn't that nice? <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, Rashad, you got anything to say about this guy? <laughs> has he ever been to your house do you know jay at all is he on 90 day fiance what the hell is this guy he's got a great name woodcroft he's good at the chip bowl he doesn't he doesn't double dip or anything he was very polite when he was over it's nice took his shoes off when he walked in yeah yeah Yeah. i don't mind that they hired from within because he knows the guys yeah he knows the team and maybe he can get some of the younger players who have been in the system to score like Yamamoto, like didn't you and I watch an Edmonton game recently where Yamamoto had like six chances and couldn't score? <laughs> yes, right, yes, right. And there was some visible frustration from his line mates in that game. Yes, that he couldn't put the puck in the net when they were putting it on a silver platter for him. <laughs> Literally. So, you know, I I think maybe his encouragement. He's a, he's a positive guy by all accounts. Yeah, can maybe help get some other players scoring so it's not just the Dreisaitl and McDavid show. For sure. I think it also helps that they get Mike Smith back from injury. Mm-hmm. I watched the, a bit of the last game that Mike Smith played in, and he was terrific. So now Edmonton's getting some goaltending. Oh, it combines with the fact that they got a new coach. Yes, they tried some different things. They looked like they had a little bit more jump, did Edmonton. So maybe that's the Woodcroft factor in it. Mm-hmm. I still think Edmonton's going to get a goaltender, whether it's Flurry, whether it's Varlamov, whoever's out there. But I don't mind the move. Obviously, something had to change because this team was in first in the NHL after the first month, and now they're out of the playoffs yeah. right now. And now it's time for Rapid Fire, and we have a couple of listener questions to get to. First, Andy from Fort Erie asked about Jack Eichel's return. What are your expectations with Eichel when he suits up for the Golden Knights? Jack Eichel doesn't have a choice. He's got to be one of the best forwards on that team. Uh, you know, they lose Mark Stone, long-term uh, injured reserve. I mean, that's another team, too, that's getting a little desperate to to go on a run uh, and to, to create some space for themselves in that division in, in that conference um, so uh, I mean expectations and and what he'll do is are two different things but I think Jack Eichel off the hop has to be one of the best players every night for the Vegas Golden Knights and that's tough your Pacific division just got tougher eh Rashad you get to Foley in that division and now Eichel yeah I'm interested to see what Eichel is going to be like because one of these guys we always talk about inheriting other people's problems he fails a physical and he has an attitude problem and then he's also got the back injury. I don't know. He might turn out to be a giant bust for them. The the bigger question is when he takes that first hit, right? He had that artificial disc replacement surgery yep. back in November. If he can get through the first hit, because I think he's going to be a little bit nervous about that. If he can get through it, I expect that he will light it up and be the number one center that the Vegas Golden Knights so desperately have needed. And now we're going, I think we're going to hear it in the second half of the season uh, that Vegas is circumventing the cap 
just like Tampa Bay did yeah, with yeah. Kucherov because Stone's on long-term injury reserve uh-huh. and he's going to come back for the playoffs yep. and watch out for the Vegas Golden Knights. We have another question from Ashley in Burlington. She wants to know which team you're taking in the NBA All-Star game, Team LeBron or Team Durant? Ooh. Oh, my gosh. Ashley, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the score is going to be 210 to 209. Uh, although I haven't mind the rules that they've had. Uh, they had the Kobe Bryant rules where you have to score a certain amount. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind that. That makes it a little bit exciting. You know, I look at Team LeBron and I'm like, how can this team lose? No, they're stacked. They got Giannis and Steph Curry and DeMar DeRozan and Jokic. Yep. And Doncic. Doncic is on there. Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, your boy, Vlad Vliet. Like, how is how's that team going to lose? I I'm going know. with Team LeBron. So would I. I, I don't even think it's, uh, it's a contest. I mean, you look at Durant's team. Uh, Joel Embiid, Jay Morant, Jason Tatum, Andrew Wiggins, Trey Young, Devin Booker, LaMelo Ball, Zach Levine. Yeah, they got some good players. Some but good players, but like Carl Anthony Towns. Team LeBron's got like four MVPs. Oh, on. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Durant's used to doing it himself, so he's going to have to do it again. <laughs> I think it's going to be 145 to two by the looks of this of these two lines. <laughs> For Team Durant, right? Is that what you're yeah, saying? That's right. yeah, yeah, Durant's going to just have a game of his life. <laughs> <laughs> and then continuing on in our tradition of talking about food, Andrea from Detroit sent us a note to ask us about National Drink Wine Day, which is this Friday, which uh, apparently I celebrated early this week. Andrea wants to know, are we red or white guys? Well, you can do it again, Rashad. That's <laughs> true. It's true. There's no rules. <laughs> yeah, that was just an appetizer. <laughs> Did you have red or white? We had white. We are uh, white people That's here. That's why you got a headache, Rashad. No, but see, I had red. Oh, this is a bad story, but I had um, <laughs> <laughs> my good friend, Tim, who you guys met at my wedding. His dad. Red guy. Yes. His dad liked to make homemade red wine in uh, big A&W jugs. Remember those big jugs with the little tiny handle? Yeah, yeah. So we drank yeah. some of that one night when we were um, maybe under 19 years of age. And uh, I had the worst hangover of my entire life and I've not been able to drink red wine ever since. So, Oh, so that's your, that's your, uh, your booze. Everybody's got the one drink that they can't have. So red wine is yours. Yeah. Well, (laughs) do you remember your bachelor weekend? Tim told us this story when you weren't around. It wasn't wine. It was moonshine. (laughs) No wonder you had a hangover. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm normally a red guy. I'm normally a red Mm. guy, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Red red wine all the way. Plenty of it. Red wine. Lemon meringue pie oh. after pineapple on pizza. Uh-huh. We're good. Watching a Montreal rebuild for the next six years. Put your feet up. I'm going to make my own wine and get ready hey, for if that. If you make it now, let it sit for a number of years, maybe a decade, and then you can open one of those when, when Montreal is back in the playoffs. Call it the championship rebuild. There it is. Don't you love it when a plan comes together? Let's go. Let's go to the vineyards, boys. (laughs) Start plucking grapes for a shot. (laughs) As long as we're not uh, doing it barefoot and stomping the grapes. That's disgusting. I did that. Have you really? Yeah. My my dad made wine. Okay. So in the first house that we owned in Strathroy, Ontario, great town, 
uh, our basement was not finished. So being from a Portuguese family, all my uncles did it. My dad did it. He would set up four barrels in the basement. Mm -hmm. And we had the stomper, but every once in a while, he would throw the kids in there to stomp the wine. And it was fantastic. I loved it. Rashad, have you ever had Portuguese wine? Oh, I don't want any now if that's how it's made. (laughs) (laughs) I've had some. Wash our feet? What are you talking about? I've had some. (laughs) No offense. You guys both have kids, but kids are slimy. Like they're always wet or damp or something. You want that in your grapes making wine? Come on. They do take baths, (laughs) right? Kids take baths and showers. It's going to be sitting there for 10 years. The wine is good. You're still here to talk about it. You live to have seen another day, Matt. I enjoy it. I enjoy the the Portuguese wine. There's a little bit of a a little bit of a a peppery kind of taste to it when you're when you're drinking the more of the Portuguese wine. Well, we can have the Portuguese port if you want that. That'll that'll knock you into 2025. (laughs) You'll miss the whole rebuild. What do you mean we're in the Stanley Cup finals again? That's perfect. You won't have to live with the pain. What what year is this? Who are these are my grandkids? And now it's time for this week's submission for Pump It or Dump It. And the request comes from Danielle in London. And this is a new song from the Chainsmokers. The song is called High by the Chainsmokers. So for Danielle, pump it or dump it. I don't mind it. It's not like epic. Right. Like I'm pumping it up, playing it over and over every time I hear Uh it. But it's not bad. When it comes down, when it comes on, I will listen to it and not change the station. Okay. Wow. I I hate it. I really hate it. Not a boy, Rashad. Way to come over the top with this fire chair. Some fire in you. Woo! You hate it. Yeah, with a passion. Yeah, I really, really don't don't like it at all. I didn't even listen to the whole thing. This might be the first one in the history. This might be the first opinion Rashad's had. (laughs) Where it's not wishy washy. He's coming over the top and hitting you, and still hitting you. I like both teams. I hate this song though. Do you like it? it so uh, listening to this song, it's not as strong as John's. <laughs> it's probably a little bit stronger than yours. I'm listening to the song thinking, in what scenario am I listening to this song? And it's like, yes, finally this song came on. I don't know. When I'm driving around in February, maybe. But it's not a summer song. It's not, it's not one that uh, if I never heard it again, I, I wouldn't, couldn't care less. I love how Matt always comes up with a scenario for where the song is playing and what he's doing. Or- yeah, because that's what it's all about, right? Uh, the song has got to attach to, to some memory. Like, you know, we're going to be listening to I Feel Good on rotation in the backyard here um, <laughs> all, all summer. All like, summer. That's sure. all you can see, right? And this one, it's uh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like if it comes on, it'd be like us getting out of the pool. Like, we're having a good time in the pool. It might be like background barbecuing kind of thing. And then when the next good song comes on, we jump back in the pool and we're 
We're having a good time. Yeah, that's a refill song. <laughs> yes. Good. That's a good. It's a refill song. That's a good analogy yeah. right there. Yeah. That's no, why he's the best color man it, in the league. You know when you're at a you know when you're at a concert and like, oh good, this song's gonna on. I can go pee. <laughs> that's what that song is. I don't disagree with that at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rashad may not be new in number one, but <laughs> he hates this song. And that does it for another debate. Yeah, great show, guys. <laughs> Just recapping the whole thing in my head. It sets up nicely. We have got we've got an OT that you're going to want to circle on your calendar and put a smiley face on yeah, coming I'm, up this week. I'm really excited for this conversation with Sanaya Sapurji, who writes for The Athletic, but I got to know her from my junior hockey days. She was a must-read back in the day before the OHL really blew up. So stay tuned for that. And remember, you can follow us on social media for more debate and great content. Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram, and then for future considerations on Facebook. Yeah, you can send her questions, comments, topics as well by email. What's your favorite kind of wine? Um, we're looking for some summer beverages here. Manny and I are are already planning the summer. We're, we got tiger yes. tickets now. It's it's full full bore. All the way through. So send all of your comments and emails and all that to forfutureconsiderations at gmail.com. We want to thank our sponsors on the episode, London Awnings, Quality That Shows, and Shane Tabolovic of Next Level Athletics. He's still with us in Windsor, specializing in sports training and nutrition. He's renewed for another year, yes. which was huge. We're, Big we're deal. thrilled to have him. Thanks for listening, everybody. Remember, the OT is coming out on Friday. Until then, thank you for listening to For Future Considerations. Okay, just before we sign off, when you said he's still with us, I thought, was that in doubt? Like, was he sick? (laughs) No, 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 no. Shane is always on the cusp. (laughs) We'll say. We got to get him back on just to confirm that he's still alive. Yeah, yeah. he's always just right there. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their M.O. for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.